Well, good morning, everybody. All right, so we are in First uh, John chapters 3 and 4 this morning. If you got your Bibles, and open up there or turn there. All six of us that are here this morning, so everybody else is thinking it, so I might as well say it. There we go. All right. It's one of the first things you learn when you, uh, when you begin to teach is to own the awkward, right? Just address it. It's okay. It's no big deal. Um, but this is the uh, 89th? No, this is the 90th lesson uh, in our Essential 100 series, so we're getting close. The next five-week series that we do in the New Testament is Revelation. Um, so this is the end of all the Gospels and the history and the epistles and uh, fun stuff. And then we dive off into bowls and trumpets and bad things. So <clears throat> good stuff. But uh, we started this five-week series on the Apostles' teaching in 1 Corinthians 13, talking about love, one another, and uh, how love is critical and important. And we end this five-week series in 1 John 3 and 4, talking about love one another. Um, and I went back and I counted because I just count things. That's what I do. And uh, we're commanded 13 different times in the New Testament to love one another. And I was really, really surprised at the person who told us to do it the most. Because I would have thought that the answer was Jesus, and the answer is not Jesus. Um, Jesus said it four or five times, but the guy that he said it to kept saying it over and over and over and over and over and over again. He actually wrote one of the Gospels. His name was John. And he described himself in the book of John as the disciple Jesus loved. Yeah. So this really stuck with him. Now we fast forward. So that was early on in John's life. So we fast forward to the end of his life. So he's either 80 to 85 years old when he writes John in Revelation. And when he writes the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and in the book of Revelation. So we're at the very end of his life. And in a culture where the average lifespan was 25 to 30 years old, he is an exceedingly old man. I mean, this, is, this would have been the oldest person that you knew ever. Okay? And we kind of get a hint of that if you read through the first, uh, the first letter that he wrote, 1 John, because a couple times he uses this phrase, little children. And you're kind of like, really? Because we're adults. Quit calling us little children. Well, relative to an 80-year-old dude, we're little children. So that's kind of how that works. Um, but it's neat to see that John focuses on this love of Jesus Christ at the beginning of his life, and he focuses on this love of Jesus Christ at the end of his life. And your first blank there, if you've got your hand out, is that love bookends John's life because it's good at the beginning and it's good at the end. And I'm in the middle right now. I'm 36. I um, have no idea how long I'm going to live. My, my grandfather, he lived to be 91, uh, and he started telling me when he was 70, if I'd have known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. Uh, and everybody in my family, if, unless there's some kind of accident, lives to be in their middle to late 90s. So, Jules, fix it now, okay? <laughs> there, there are ways to deal with that. That is awesome. I love you too, yes, absolutely. Only awkward, and there it is again. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so our key thought today, and, and today's text you read certain texts in the Bible and you kind of go, okay, get off this point, get on to something else. And John just doesn't get off of the love theme. He's just going to stay there because it impacted his life so incredibly much. <clears throat> so the key thought today is that the Christian life is about knowing, experiencing, sharing, and showing love. Yes, absolutely. That's the Sunday school answer today is love. Pretty straightforward. So we're in First John 3. We're going to pick up with verse 11 and go through uh, 421. 
It's 1 John 3. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain. So he gives us this um, contrast. You remember the story of Cain and Abel in the very beginning of Genesis. Um, and it, this kind of, to me, throws back to 1 Corinthians 13 because 1 Corinthians 13 lists a whole bunch of stuff that love is, but it also lists a whole bunch of things that love is not, right? Um, so you, you kind of have this idea that by contrasting things, you can get an idea of what something really is by more well-defining the boundaries of what it's not. So not as Cain, verse 12, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. So right up front in this passage, we see that the proof of our conversion is our love for other believers. So that's your next blank. The proof of our conversion is our love for other believers. He who does not love his brother abides in, there's a fun word, death. Awesome. So, so let's live in death. That's kind of hard, isn't it? Right? Let's live in this state of death because that's what life is like when we don't love other people. It's like death. And if you've never experienced an awkward family reunion when two people that you know hate each other, it's death. It's awful. You can't even enjoy a really good home-cooked meal because you're just waiting for somebody to throw down with somebody else, and it's just awful. So his brother abides in death, verse 15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So by this we love, we know love, because he, capital H, that's God, laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So, so if I see my brother in need and I shut up my heart from him, right, how does the love of God abide in me? So... Uh, and I do this analogy in Growth Track, too, if you've ever taken it. But a lot of people, when they, when they want to give their lives to Jesus Christ, will say, uh, Sean is Jesus. He's having a bad hair day, but it's okay. <clears throat> so all the pictures of Jesus in the Bible are like this big, long-haired flowing. You're like, uh, maybe, I don't know, probably more like, what if he was bald, right? How cool would that have been? You know, every artist, every artist ever messed it up. You know, we have no idea. So most people, when they come to Jesus, here's what they want to do. Um, Satan, can you hang on that for me for just a second? Thanks. Uh, Jesus, you've got everything that I have. I give you my hands. I give you my feet. I give you my mouth. I, I'm, I'm looking for the things that you're looking for. What would you like? Hair. Hair. Yeah, he'd like hair, right? A hair trans. No. And, and sometimes what we do is we say, you can have everything, but the thing that I, it's my precious, right? No, this is not it. This is colored paper really, or small strips of plastic. I mean, it's just not that. But if I see my brother in need and I decide to leave this behind, and I see this on Facebook constantly, right? You, you see somebody post a prayer request, and you know, and I, I'm looking at a situation, and I know for a fact that the person who just said, I'll pray for you, has every resource available to completely resolve the thing that they're praying for. Quit praying and start doing, you know? It's, it's awkward sometimes. You're like, you know, I'm just going to go take care of that for you. Guess what? You want to make friends? It's a really good way to do it. So 
I promise you, it really, really is. So if I shut up my heart to another brother, then the love of God does not abide in me. So verse 18, so now we start under these tests. Um, so the, the proof of God's, the proof of uh, our conversion is that, that we have love for the brothers. And then John goes into these tests that we can give ourselves to see, is this really real in our lives? So let's, so do we love the brothers? Well, that's kind of lofty and hard to define a little bit sometimes. So, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So, in deed and in truth. So, what does deed mean? Anybody know? In your, in your action, yeah. Uh, another way to translate it is your business or your job or what it is that you're, you can bring. So, whatever it is that you can do, do that and in truth. So, test number one, am I working? Am I working? Now, you've all heard the phrase, it's a thought that counts, right? Yeah, it really doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't count at all, <laughs> actually. It actually just digs up, guys, it digs a hole for us because that acknowledges to our wife that we thought about it and then still consciously didn't do anything. Right? That is. Ladies, can I get a witness that that's awful? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so it, to me, it's very hypocritical, um, it's kind of like those, it's at Easter time when you see these chocolate bunnies, right? You're seeing these chocolate bunnies at Easter time. These great big ones in the, in the, in the box that have the clear sheet on the front. And you're kind of like, that is, that is a tremendous amount of chocolate. I remember I was probably six years old, seven years old the first time I got one of those. And, you, and I'm thinking, this is the greatest thing ever. I mean, this chocolate will last me for like at least ten minutes. You know, this <laughs> massive hunk, this is awesome. And I got it out of the pack, and I bit into it, and what happened? dreams were shattered. It was awful. Yeah, it was nothing to it. It was a hypocrite. It portrayed itself to be something of substance, but when I got engaged with it, there was nothing there. And that to me is kind of like the Christian walk. When you see somebody and you're like, oh, I say I'm a Christian, I say I'm a Christian, I say I'm a Christian. You've got all this form, everything's okay. And then you engage and everything crumbles and you go, yeah, there was nothing in the middle. There was nothing in the middle. So, very challenging there. So love not only sees the need and speaks out toward the need, but love acts out toward the need. Love works. Verse 19, and by this, by our loving actions, from verse 18, we know that we are the truth and shall assure or have confidence in our hearts before him. Um, so test number two is am I confident? Test number two is am I confident? Um, God has designed this system of conversion in our lives and moving in our hearts to drive us to action to give us, follow me now, to give us as we go through our lives, to give us something to look back on and say, that is evidence that I am a changed person. So that on those days, because those days will come, on those days when you have, man, this is not going well. This is, I mean, I am the worst believer ever. Am I even, dare I ask, am I even, a, I mean, this is, do I, can I say that in Sunday school? Am I even a Christian? I mean, that's awful. But I can look back and go, you know, I see this evidence, and 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 I see this evidence because of the deeds, not because of the words. So it gives us confidence. The history with God and the history of this action of love gives us confidence. Um, verse 20, for if our heart condemns us. You ever had your heart condemn you? 
You're kind of doing something and you go, ooh, yeah, you're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. Anybody been there today? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's early on Sunday morning, so maybe not, but maybe. You never know. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Isn't that awesome? God is greater than our heart. Um, that's a very comfort, comforting thing and knows all things. And that's kind of a scary thing, right? He knows all things. So all the things that we thought we had covered up, all the things that we thought we had deleted, all the things that we had thought that nobody else knew about, he knows all things. Um, Verse 21, beloved. He just throws in the word love any way you can. This is the adjective form of the word. If our heart does not condemn us, we have, what's the word? Confidence. So again, we go back to this confidence toward God. So it's a, it, I think it's a comforting thing that, that we can rest in the fact that God's word gives us things to look at in our own lives that are very concrete, that can help us have confidence in his work in our lives. So it's this awesome cycle. Um, I saw a picture on the wall where I worked the other day, and it was the, uh, um, wow, I can't even remember the name now. What's it, the cycle of the rain falls, and then it, in fact, the water cycle, yes, thank you. It's like water, there's a difficult word to remember, yes. Wow. Yeah, TBA, right? <laughs> kind of critical, right? Bobby's mom's going, I don't think this guy's very good at all. It's okay. Um, yeah, but this water cycle, and it was, and it talked about the, the picture that I was looking at talked about how nature set all this up, right? And how, how perfectly balanced everything was, and it always worked just really well. And I'm sitting there reading this chart going, that's kind of what I'm teaching on Sunday morning, right? Because God's Spirit works in our lives and it invades us and changes us and gives us evidence that when we get toward the end, we can look back on and tell other people about to enable this continuation of this thing forward and it just this beautiful cycle of love yeah living oh living water the living water cycle oh you write that down and tell me that after sunday school that's awesome yeah we're going somewhere with that that that'll be a uh, yeah you got jesus over coming up with ideas right <laughs> sorry guys i'm sorry it's okay <laughs> all right so verse 22 and whatever we ask we receive. Now, a lot of people on TV love to pick up their Bibles and open to 1 John 3.22, and they start at verse 22, and they completely ignore the verses before. Because that and means something. That and means that the stuff before, those conditions need to be met, right? So if I am loving people, if I have a history in my life of having confidence in God and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do, not just talk about, those things that are pleasing in his sight. So test number three, am I receiving? Am I receiving? David Guzik has a uh, quote. He says, it's a sobering to look at our lives and see how much we do to please ourselves and how much we do to please the Lord. We shouldn't think that the two are opposites. God is glorified when we enjoy his goodness and his things, yet the godly life will have special focus on pleasing God, even if it doesn't particularly please us at the moment. So you, you've certainly had opportunities where you go, 
I know for a fact this is what God wants me to do, and this is incredibly uncomfortable for me, right? Have ever had that? Yeah. Lori, I, 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 I said, Amy, thank you. Scanning the room, talking too fast. When's that ever happened in your life, Amy? A couple weeks ago? Standing right here? Yeah. And it was, uh, it was good for you, wasn't it? And it was wonderful for us. Um, and, and that's a beautiful thing because, again, this living water cycle, I'm going to wear that out. That's going to be awesome. I'm going to buy livingwatercycle.com or something. I don't know. <laughs> I can make a poster. There we go. Um, but yeah, so, so we get encouraged from this Holy Spirit prompting to go and to do something else. Beth, you had your hand up. The, uh, these things that, that we know that we're supposed to do that are incredibly uncomfortable, what can you relate to with that? Yeah, right? And then when you do, it's, okay, I've got to do this. Yeah, right. And it becomes easier, right? Because we're building a pattern of obedience. Um, again, you, you guys have heard me say this many times. One of, I'm a big Eugene Peterson fan as far as his writings. Um, the greatest title of any of his books is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Put that on my tombstone, hopefully. You know, it's just, that is beautiful. We're going the same direction into being obedient here. Um, when I'm 94, right? I referenced that earlier. <clears throat> um, so verse 23, uh, and this is his commandment. And here, here's where we kind of get into that, okay, John, get off of this thing, right? Move to something else, but he just can't. He, and I guess for me, looking at his life from the beginning to the end, John can't get over Jesus' love. He just can't get over it. He never stopped talking about it. Um, it there's, a, there's a cool story. The, the, uh, the early church fathers, the, the guys who wrote a bunch of stuff down after having talked to the disciples and the apostles themselves, they, they tell these stories. They wrote down these stories about the speaking styles of some of the, uh, the early apostles. And uh, they said when John was late into his 90s, I mean, this was ridiculously old age. When he was late into his 90s, that he couldn't walk anymore. So he would have people pick him up, and they would walk him to the podium, a little podium of wood, and he would lean up against it, and he would say very few words. His sermons were typically, my little children love one another. And that was it. And they would help him down, and they would just weep because it was probably 70, 75 years before that Jesus told him those words. And it never got old. He never wore it out. One of the most encouraging things for me about being a part of a big church is that I come on Sunday nights and I see the, the gray hair folks and I'm going, this is awesome because Jesus' love doesn't get old. They still love it. And I can look and I can see, you know what, in 50 years, if I have hair, Um, it's not going to get old. I'm going to wear everything else in my life out. Right? I just got a new phone this week. I'm hip and cool now. I have an iPhone. Ooh. Wow, yeah. I'm scared to death I'm going to drop it before I get a case for it. But um, This thing will wear out one day. One day we will find this in the bottom of a play bin, and we will go, remember when we thought that was cool? Oh, wow. And, and it will completely wear out. The greatest 
invention that Americans think is the coolest thing ever in the world, right? We're going to wear it out. And we will never wear out Jesus' love. It will not get worn out. So, back to what he's going to, we're going to get the message here in just a second. Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, he who keeps his commandments and abides in him, and he in him, and by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. Chapter 4, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So if you are ever in a scenario where you think there are evil spirits around you, it's a really easy question. Do you believe Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? If you hear back a yes, relax. No biggie. If you hear back a no, get your butt out of there. Okay? It's a very easy, easy test here. So at the end of verse 3, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. That's a past tense. Past tense. It's already been fought. It's already happened. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. He's trying to make this really easy on the listeners. You see this? Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. Don't you feel like he's talking to like a four-year-old here? (laughs) Just kind of stepping right through. He who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. So just in case we're really not paying attention today, this this these two chapters are for the ADD Christians in the world. It's like squirrel, squirrel. Oh, there it is again. It's great. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We have a different translation for that word propitiation. Atoning sacrifice, that's closer. Anything else? Did your, did your parents ever get mad at you when you were a kid? Ever? Yeah. Was there, was, there, was there like one thing that you could do that would make that anger go away? Was there ever? Go to bed? Go to bed? Right. That's probably a, probably a good idea, right? Um, the word propitiation is, and this is a part of the gospel that a lot of people don't like to talk about, but God is really pissed off at sin. I mean, it is, it is extraordinarily, exceedingly angry. He talks about this in the Old Testament, and it is just this, um, his, his, the, the heat and the anger that he has towards sin and sinful behavior is incredible. And if you don't believe this, there are periods of time in the Old Testament where he just wipes things off the face of the earth, and there's just a burnt spot left, right? Literally, there's just a burnt spot. And that's, his, that's how he feels towards sin. Well, somebody's got to fix that anger, right? And we can't do that. We, we bring more sin to the equation. So, so God's angry at sin, and we show up and we go, I want to be on God's team. And he's like, well, you just bring sin. I no. So Jesus, through his sacrifice, atoned. He was the propitiation. He was the appeasement of God's anger. He made all that anger go away. So 
I don't know if there was ever anything like going to bed that you're, you could do to make your parents' anger go away, but Jesus figured out, through collaboration with the Father and the Spirit, and I don't know how that worked, how to appease that anger towards sin and went and did that thing. And now Dad is no longer angry. Now he sees Jesus when he looks at us, and he's not angry at us. And it's awesome for us, right? Because all we did was go, Jesus. Right? He did the hard work. He's, he's the one that overcame. He did all the, the tough stuff. So it's a beautiful picture here of, of all this massive, this massive plan that God's got going on here. So he sent, uh, he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Ooh, I didn't even see that. He sent. So, so God initiated the appeasement of his own anger. Figure that one out. I'll have to think about that all week long. Oh, man. I'm not teaching next week, so that's awesome. I'll have time to think about that. Uh, so verse 11, that was a squirrel moment, sorry. Uh, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So again, you see this theme, right? He's, he's not getting off this. So no one, verse 12, has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. So these are more tests. I just didn't put all the questions in. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. You see this abiding thing that keeps going back and back and back and back. It's a big deal. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love, and we love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Because one of those two things cannot be true. So this is his as basic and as simple and as clearly laid out as we can get it. And I'm not going to spiritualize it at all. Because if I say, if Jim says, I love God and hate my brother, then I'm a liar. That's it. No conditions, no explanation. If I say, I love God and I hate one of my brothers, I'm a liar. Right? And sometimes we want to go, and that applies to these scenarios. Nope. That applies to all scenarios at all times. For the rest of my life, until I'm 94. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And, and, and I, here's, so here's a challenge for me. Um, loving my brothers is not optional. Right? Uh, we have rules in our house. Uh, for our kids, I have an 11-year-old daughter and an 8-year-old son, and and there are some rules that if they talked enough and gave them a good enough explanation, eh, okay, I'm, I will wiggle a little here. Okay, that's fine. And there are some rules that, no, there is no lenience. There is only justice. There is no mercy. There is no grace. There is only justice here. Um, yeah, it's Judge Dredd, right, just without the awesome gun. So, um so he who loves God, if you want to just circle that word must in your Bibles, must love his brother also. It is not 
optional. It's just not. Um, and this is hard sometimes because have you met some people? Right? I mean, have you met me? Um, we're going to study a book next year uh, by a guy named uh, uh, John Ortberg, and the title of it is Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. And then really never, nobody's normal, right? Because every single person has got those quirks. You know, you look at the person that you're married to and you go, you didn't show me any of that when we were dating. You know, I didn't know any of that crazy stuff, right? So you're not supposed to amen at that. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, so the challenge today is exceedingly simple and straightforward. The challenge is one word, and that's just love. It's just love. Um, so what's the point? Well, God's in the assurance business, and he wants to give us assurance. He knows our hearts. And, and, I'm, and I, this is one of those things that I, I talk about because I can't wait for it. But God's love has overwhelmed me in the early part of my life, is overwhelming me now, and, and it will in the future. And that's awesome. That's a lot of comfort that there's more to come, and this is okay. So what do I do with that? Well, know where you stand before God. Uh, rest in the fact that he is good, and then get to what do you think the blank is? Work. Yes, let's get to work. Loving people. And uh, no share, no experience share and show God's love.